Hello and welcome back to Forward Unto Quan, the podcast where we talk about Halo the series, now streaming on Paramount Plus, where the commercials are 50 times louder than the content. <laughs> Today, as always, I am joined by one of my best friends in the world, Cicero Holmes. Hi, Cicero. Uh, hello, Ty. And the third member in our trifecta of Halo fandom is another one of my best friends in the whole world, Megan Watt. Hi, Megan. Hi there. Uh, thank you both for joining us. Really excited to talk about Halo with you both. Uh, a couple of housekeeping notes first. Now that we are up and running, you can find Forward Unto Quan, K-W-A-N, on your favorite podcast service, including Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, uh, et cetera, et cetera, Skynet. We should mention that our podcast name is based on uh, the UNSC frigate that plays a huge role in Halos 2 and 3, Forward Unto Dawn. Uh, I mentioned that because I learned there's an existing, long-established Halo podcast named Forward Unto Dawn. Uh, thanks, you guys. Uh, we're not we're not trying to play on your name. Uh, obviously, we're big fans. Love love your work, right. uh, and happy to join you in the podcast space. Uh, whoever you are. Uh, so let's <laughs> let's take a minute to just talk uh, before we get into Halo the series. Um, let's talk for a minute about just like kind of our our love for Halo. I've been playing a little bit more of Halo, the Master Chief Collection, replaying the first game uh, on my own a little bit, kind of inspired by our conversations about the show. Uh, and I'd love if each of you could share uh, a favorite kind of uh, social gameplay memory uh, of playing any of the Halo games um, and just kind of yeah, let's let's go back into memory lane for a second. Megan, do you want to start us off? Yeah, um, it's funny how nostalgic this all is. I just, I, yeah, I didn't anticipate me me all these warm fuzzy memories of Halo coming back. Um, the one that I really wanted to talk about is a a moment in Halo Two where we were playing Capture the Flag. Um, it was on a map called Waterworks. Uh, so it was uh, Ty, me, and then some guy called El Loco. I guess he was like a lifeguard in Las Vegas or something. I don't know. We never met him. El Loco uh, Padrino. Yeah. Yeah. He was awesome. <laughs> uh, anyway, for some reason, we got on the topic of whether uh, women can drive. Uh, just like in, in real life. But yeah, just in general, like whether in like real life, but like also in the games and it's like steering the warthog was my favorite part of Halo. So I was like, I'm the best driver ever. Right. And um, Ty, I don't know which side of the argument you came down on, but it was probably against me. I mean, you literally <laughs> just, the warthog controls are you just, there's an arrow and you point it in the direction you want to go. And well, that's, that thing could that's be it. pretty flimsy, though. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. yeah. pretty wild. <laughs> okay. yeah. Anyway, so yeah, uh, Waterworks is like the biggest multiplayer map in Halo 2. It was this big, wide cavern system. If you remember, there are all these like little routes snaking through the walls and catwalks. And I mean, it was um, huge. It was, yeah, and it was rather short across, but because it was like 8v8 with Banshees and they had a wraith um, going across that oh, center yeah. bridge was a death trap so getting the flag was a huge burden i mean it was a beast you had to really plan it out like here you sit on the ledge with a sniper rifle i'm gonna sneak around and grab their banshee so they can't get it and you know it was this huge thing and so we were stuck in sudden death i don't know how long we'd been playing these matches used to go on forever um and no team was gaining ground and you ty um ty and me were just like we we're just we got to try the dumbest thing possible because they won't see it coming. And that was us just driving a warthog across a bridge, running through the front entrance, grabbing the flag and driving it back. It was like a just- World War One movie where you're tired of the stalemate and eventually some guy just is like, I'm going to make a run for it. Right. Like cover me. And it like somehow like sort of seems like it might work. Well, and it did work. We got the flag out of the base and like all hell is breaking loose behind us. It's complete chaos. Um, Behind, like by some miracle, we make it back to the warthog. Ty, you're in the passenger seat. We managed to break the line behind us. Someone is blowing up the enemy wraith, so we're finally home free. I'm driving. I just like gun it for the bridge, and then well, I just. Say, I mean, to to circle back to what you said earlier, it, we're already in, like you driving and me being the one with the flag is already a choice. Yeah. Yes. You know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. 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 So it's like sort of different than our standard operating procedure generally. <laughs> Right. So I end up just careening off the side. Oh, just well. drives straight off the bridge. <laughs> there's, into oblivion. there's no reason. There's literally nothing in my way. I just, just, 
and, the flag and reset. The flag. Um, anyway, yeah, score one for feminism. That's, oh, that's my story. Oh, man. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, hey, you know what? I couldn't it even be mad. I was. We were it, just all laughing. It, it just, literally it could so... have happened to anybody. <laughs> Score one for feminism. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh man, that is that's a great story. Uh, Sister, do you have if, a moment know, that comes to mind? Yeah, I don't know if I can follow that story up. I, I think immediately when I hear this question, it's the moment. It's. So all about that moment that you fall in love for the first time, right? When you when you lock eyes from across the proverbial <laughs> room, and um and and that moment for me in Halo, like was like at at, at a certain point I knew like oh you know as I'm going through the campaign I, I'm thinking maybe 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 this one is the one right maybe Halo is the one, but it was at this moment that I like I knew that I was ready to go ring shopping for Halo, and it was co-op the last mission of the of combat evolve right you're racing in the warthog to get to the warthog again right you're it's racing incredible. in the warthog <laughs> and the you know in the in halo's version of bungie's version of the trench run uh and i'm playing with with you know i think it was my girlfriend at the time's brother and uh we, we were like going through it and we're trying to figure out what's you know like how to do it and we're like we're almost at the end and we tried it like six or seven times and we kept like flipping the warthog right before we got to the edge uh, and we'd have to restart the mission and we finally this one last time where i'm driving the warthog we get to a point where it always flips over and he jumped out of the warthog and ran to the pelican and made it onto the pelican and I'm running towards the pelican as he jumps on and the cutscene begins. So he makes it and I don't. And I like canonically in our headcanon, my master chief dies as a heroic oh, effort so good. to save, to save him. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was like, what, what an amazing, an amazing moment. And like that, yeah, like that moment I was just like, Oh, this, this is the best, right? Like this it's also is incredible, emerging, yeah. Emerging gameplay type moments, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's also uh, incredible foreshadowing for the end of Halo Three when the I think it is the Forward Under Dawn, or maybe it's the Pelican that they're in at that point splits in half, and the Arbiter yes. uh, makes it back to Earth, but the Master Chief is left behind in Correct. deep space. Um, or whatever. So, Cicero, perfect segue. I think my moment that I'm going to pick is is one also from the campaign, one that deals with emergent gameplay, and one that I just relived for myself uh, the other day, playing the the Master Chief Collection, which is really just it's it's awesome. You know, you can just tell the games are lovingly restored, and they look so so good compared to the way that they used to. Um, and you can toggle between the old graphics and the new graphics while you're playing. Uh, right. That's that's really cool to see, but. Um, in the level, uh, in in the first Halo game, combat evolved the silent cartographer, the kind of like not prescribed, but I think sort of intended path for you as a gamer. Right, you're on this island, and it sort of starts you off getting off of a pelican facing one way. And so, if you follow the island around, it's a small island, so you can right. you can circumnavigate the whole thing. And sort of the way that I always played it was you follow the you follow that direction around the island, which is counterclockwise. And so okay. you reach, you reach the, um, the map room and they tell you, Oh, it's locked. You have to go find a security override station. And so you, you leave and continue going around the island. You find that security override station, blah, blah, blah. You know, then you backtrack, you go back to the map room and then right. you continue. Once you've gotten to the map room, you can continue around the island all the way again. And, and I don't know, some other stuff happens or whatever, but we eventually figured out. So I think this was probably mostly playing with Drew uh, and myself. But we we like a lot of times our campaigns ended with just like Master Chiefs littering the floor because we were trying like weird hijinks where one of us <laughs> would get killed right. and the other one would be like kind of the respawn base and stay alive. So there's a there's a part where you're supposed to enter this forerunner structure and fight your way down like six levels of oh, like yes. covenant. I do and remember you battle this. Yeah. your way down and you eventually get to a, a 
console that you can activate and then you fight your way back up um and the first time that we were successfully able to jam the warthog like the jeep like thing into the door shoot it with rockets to get it all the way through the door um drive it out onto a platform and then do like an 18 point turn that you can do because the warthog has the the front and the rear wheels turn when right you turn yes, in that yeah, vehicle. exactly so you exactly. can turn these vehicle. super tight spaces <laughs> yes. and you can drive if you drive it exactly right off the ramp and i the way i did it last night i don't remember if this was always the case but like it kicks you out of the vehicle when you're falling for long enough and so right. the jeep landed like on like the second story from the bottom. And then I landed on top of an overshield at the bottom. And the overshield is the dead giveaway to me because you're invincible when you pick that up for a split second. So no matter how far you fall, if you land on an overshield, you will survive. And so them putting that there is the dead giveaway to me that like, yeah, you're supposed to like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're totally accommodating who want to do that you know um and so it's just this like it's this super cool feeling like you know to kind of like almost speed run the level but feel like the developers are like winking at you and being like yeah that was the initiation man that was the initiation they that is something that they put there for like that is the uh what was the the dumb spielberg movie uh that's based on the book uh, the ready player ready one, player right? one yeah right yeah so like that's that's their nod right it, their easter egg to you yeah. that they like only the cool people like only the people that think like us will yeah. figure this part out yeah um, and and it's cool because this was like you know this game came out in 2001 so this is probably right. like 2002 and three that we're like discovering all this stuff and like there was probably like game faqs that you could go on and like maybe find a thing or two but like youtube right. wasn't like the way YouTube it didn't is now. literally yeah, this didn't was right. exist or, like right <laughs> game developers now will do that stuff because they know you're going to share it back then it was just this is going to be hilarious Right. I love this. And then right. they just put it in the game. It, it's yeah. not like it word of mouth is how you're going to share it. Yeah. Not, not through social media. That was no. also the, the level where you could, uh, there's a cinematic that you could run yourself over in the Jeep during the cinematic. That's, yes. Yeah. That's, I was just about to mention that the in-engine yeah. cinematic. <laughs> so there's, there's two that I know of and that I love to do. I, I pulled it off the other day on uh, silent cartographer and that's that ledge that I mentioned. So chief is supposed to go up and he kicks a rock off the edge to like, I don't know, demonstrate that it's a big chasm or whatever. And if you do it right, the cutscene is instead the chief dying as the Jeep runs him over <laughs> the camera panning dramatically around. And then the camera cuts to a different angle and the chief is just standing there static and a rock <laughs> flies off the edge of its own volition. Like there's no kick. Motion. He's just like frozen. And it's just like, yeah, it's so good. Right. Like you could tell, like, they're like, yeah, yeah. you'll be able to do this if you want, but like, we're not saying it's gonna, like, it's not going to yeah. look pretty. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Oh, oh man all right oh, yeah fantastic well speaking of our love for halo let's move on and start talking uh about uh what we're here to talk about halo the series um today's episode of forward unto Quan is called forward without Quan, and we'll be discussing the second episode of halo the series that episode is called unbound uh we'll be talking about it in detail so if you haven't watched the episode yet uh there's one last escape pod, pod. quickly climb aboard before it leaves um when you play the first level of Halo on Legendary, you'll hear Cortana tell you that uh, 50 times in a row every time that you die and respawn. Um, so, guys, before I watched episode two, I kind of uh, I didn't have very high hopes. I assumed it would be a little bit of a grind uh, because I figured they'd be laying a lot more groundwork for the rest of the season. Um, but by the time this episode was done, it had gone in a very different direction and moved uh, a lot more quickly in some ways than I had expected. Before we get into those details, uh, let's run a diagnostic of your sensory systems. What were your overall impressions of this episode by the end? Uh, Megan, let's start with you. Uh, yeah, I I had pretty low expectations only because I'd heard from a lot of like game channels that it sucked. Uh, so that's exactly what I was expecting. I didn't know why. I didn't want to have any spoilers. I just thought it wasn't going to be very good. But I... I was really excited. Um, it was really cool to see the game or the game, the show depart from the game. 
uh, it became itself. It seemed like the the first episode was here's the game, here's how a bit how we're gonna depart, and, and I wasn't sure if they were gonna just keep trying to balance that in a weird Frankenstein way, in a way that made me just kind of feel uncomfortable with the amount of compromise. But the second episode, I felt this is the TV show. This is what they're doing. I didn't agree with all the choices, but right, that's. You know, you don't always agree with TV choice, and that's just not a you know whatever. If you just for if you forget about, it'd be a boring the, world the, if we all agreed with every artistic choice. <laughs> yeah. In every yeah, it's like if you just forget want. about like all your super hangups with the game game lore and stuff, and it's like, and there's certainly yeah, like I said, there there are certain things I thought, eh, but you do have to compromise for TV, so okay. Um, but yeah, no, I was just I was really happy to see them um, come into their own. Yeah, and I think we might get into some of those things that made you go eh, a little bit later in our conversation. But Cicero, did you feel the same way? Where did you end up uh, by the end of this episode? I so at the by the time the episode ended, I felt like the episode met my expectations, but also subverted my expectations mm-hmm. um, in 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 ways that I delighted much, much like what Megan's saying. I think that uh, the show, and I kind of alluded to this um, last week in, in the first episode was that I felt like these guys, the the creators of the show was, was given kind of like a style guide and a rundown of all of the characters within the, the world of halo, right? They got all the toy pieces, Right, all the action figures, and and someone from three four three or someone from Bungie came and and said to to the creators, "This is Master Chief. This is who he is." Blah 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 blah. These are the things he can do, and then they put that piece down. They put that action figure down, and they showed them all the action figures. And then once they were done with those action figures, they were like, "Here, make a story now." Yeah, that's a and, great way of putting it. And and that's what and that's what we're getting now, right? We're getting this story right like nothing is oh no i take that back there are definitely some things that are anachronistic with respect to the characters that we know um that we like we previously have not seen them do before uh or you would think that are outside of their character and i guess you know the 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 ones that we're t- that I'm specifically talking about, I'm gonna name names. Is you know, it's Master Chief and um, Cortana to a certain extent. I don't know what Cortana is going to do um, because she literally has not said a thing. Right? She's not done a thing except for sit in in a space. Um, but outside of that, uh, the story's going. It's going places, right? Um, they introduced Bokeem Woodbine, which I'm sure we'll wind up talking about. But I, as I love that dude. I love the dude as an actor. Um, I thought his role in this episode, his role in the show so far, and his role in this episode was so great because I've seen him play this character before so many times that the entire time I was waiting for the heel turn during the course of the episode and, and it didn't necessarily happen, but that created tension for me. Oh, I kept kept waiting for that too. I was like, oh, he's, you know, going to betray him hard. And then. Right. Seemingly has not. Yeah. 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 It sounds like I'm still concerned. Yeah. (laughs) It's like in a lot of ways, all three of us felt, the same you know the same general way about this episode which is like i agree with you both it really felt like it was coming into its own as a tv series like you could see right. more scenes in this episode that just wouldn't have worked in any kind of game context oh yeah most of the first episode right. you could picture a way to get that done through cutscenes yeah. or through little escort missions and, and things right. like that um yeah. but yeah let's go ahead and dig into uh, the new character that you mentioned named soren um he's essentially uh, a runaway spartan uh played by bokeem woodbine sister i know you mentioned you're a fan of his um he looked maybe a little familiar to me in that tv sort of way that i'm not sure if he was actually familiar to me what do you know him from so well i know him from a bunch of different things but where you may know him from is the remake of uh total recall he plays he plays the best friend in in that aka the black guy 
um, who winds up betraying who's a Colin, you know, whatever one of the Collins um, from 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 that movie. But I also know him from the Big Hit, um, which is one of my favorite movies uh, that that stars him and Mark Wahlberg and. Uh, um, Lou Diamond Phillips and Avery Brooks from from Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, um, and I, I love 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 that dude. Um, yeah, he's got a hell of a he's got a hell of a catchphrase that I'm hoping will make it into make it into uh, Halo, which is what. Uh, uh, well, I guess we I guess we can say it. Why not? It's our show. Uh, it's it's time to get the fuck out of Dodge. And yeah, he's he says that in like four different movies. I feel um, like it's, that. The you know he'll have ample opportunity to express absolutely those sentiments. absolutely yeah. Um, so let's talk about a little bit about uh, Soren and specifically let's start with his backstory. So we see this uh, you know in our last episode of Forward Under Quan we talked about a little bit about like we've got to see some Spartan flashbacks here, and then uh, boom here we go uh, right towards the <laughs> beginning of the episode we see this great scene where Soren is expecting John to join him to run away from Spartan Academy, um, but John doesn't join Soren and instead tries to stop him from leaving. I really really enjoyed this scene you see how totally scarred the spartans bodies are from their enhancement surgery uh when john walks by the empty bed in their training barracks i totally assumed he was having some uh anxiety over a friend he had lost in the training right who had died somehow and then you start to put together what's actually going on and um for me this scene was the exact john the kid uh, the, the Spartan in training that I know from the books. Um, he's a total square. Uh, he totally puts duty and following the rules and being the good boy above absolutely all else. Um, and I really loved uh, the way young Soren played it. Uh, the way he had this smile on his face seemed like the perfect young version of Bookie Woodbine's Soren. Yes. Um, and I just thought that I, I hope that we get to see more flashbacks like this um what did you both think about this one Cicero let's start with you yeah I so I yeah I do want to take a second to point out I didn't look up to see who the actor was um and in the in the post show the classified or whatever it's called on Paramount plus uh Sydney Goodman who who interviewed Bokeem Woodbine didn't ask this question but when I was watching the actor I really want to point out the fact that it seemed like he went to Bokeem or, or they decided to go to Bokeem and ask Bokeem how he would play that moment between Chief and, and Soren. And then that actor mimicked that because I felt like this guy was acting like Bokeem Woodbine would act. There was a lot of mannerisms, the way that he was speaking, you know, as a fan of, of that actor. I, I saw those things and it made me smile. So I I loved loved everything about that, um, and loved the fact that like here here were these things like these guys were they were friends, right? They were they I mean the, their relationship was so close that I was questioning whether or not that relationship was romantic, right? It, it there was definitely between two people that we've only seen right there in that scene and never again. Right. And hopefully we'll get to see them in future stuff. Their chemistry was so great that that entire conversation was believable. And like the history of it seemed believable to me as I was watching that interaction. Um, But that was clearly uh, a defining moment in their respective relationships that uh, clearly winds up carrying over 22 years later. Um, there, there's still hurt there, but there's still apparently a lot of love there. There's still more love there than there is hurt there. Um, but, but a great moment nonetheless. I was struck at the end that Master Chief starts to ask Soren, can I trust you? And Soren starts to answer, of course you can. And Master Chief interrupts him and doesn't even let him finish that. And so I, I, that struck me after everything that they've been through that they feel still, yeah, of course, man. Right. Like, right. I thought that was really interesting. Megan, your uh, kind of reactions to the flashback and Soren's origins. So- yeah. Soren's origins. I-, I was really happy with it. It was, uh, it was fun to see. Uh, 
I think, I, I don't know. Yeah, it was exactly what I would have thought of a flashback. I mean, it, it fit all my expectations. And then um, I, I, I was immediately enthralled. I, I wanted to know more about these characters. Uh, and I was excited to get to see them as they grew up. Um, as you said, with the, with the casting of the kid who, who eventually becomes Soren, I thought the casting uh, for both of them, John sounded exactly like Pablo Schreiber. Like, almost exactly. I've just, the casting was impeccable. I, right. you know, and they, and they right. look the same. I just, yeah, it was to the point where I was about to Google whether they did some like crazy computer. Mm-hmm. CG <laughs> thing. Thing. Yeah, I was right, like, I don't yeah. think they can de-age that much. I don't, right. you know, um, but yeah, no, I, I was impressed. I really liked it. Yeah. And so I think, like I said, I hope we see a lot more of those flashbacks. I hope we see more of the physical trials and tribulations that the Spartans go through. And I also hope that we see more of their mental and emotional manipulation at the hands of the Spartan program generally and at the hands of Dr. Halsey in sp- you know, specifically. Uh, and yeah. we'll talk a little bit more about Halsey toward the end. Um, we saw a lot of great stuff with Soren and his uh, crazy sprawling, you know, space anarchy base that also has a remarkable public transit system that seems amazingly well-maintained for a place with no laws <laughs> and rules and where the only official form of employment seems to be churro vendor. Right. <laughs> um, you know, and we'll kind of gloss over that, although we can certainly talk. Uh, I, I, you know, I thought there were a lot of nice touches in there. Their continued acknowledgement that the, the Spartan armor is indeed very heavy is something uh, I really appreciate. Uh, something that, you know, I think they do a good job of getting across that these are like multi-ton nuclear power plant powered battle suits, not just like some, some armor that you, you slap on, you know, you strap on. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of cool, interesting stuff there. I enjoyed seeing Soren's family um, and things like that. And we can certainly get more into that if we want to. Um, I want to skip ahead though, to talk for now about uh, actually the end of the episode, we're going to come back to some more of what happens with chief and Soren and, and the artifact, but sure. I want to skip and talk about the end of the episode. Our name of the episode, this, this episode of the podcast is forward without Quan because at the end of uh, episode two of halo unbound uh, we ended up leaving Quan uh, and seeing the chief leave Quan in Soren's care um, on the declassified post show. They make it pretty obvious. Sydney repeatedly says, Oh, I'm so excited to see um, you Bokeem and uh, Quan together and to see your kind of brother sister dynamic and protector dynamic um so i felt like that was sort of a giveaway that uh you know they might reunite with chief i think that's pretty clear they will at some point um the two of them Quan and soren will be spending a good deal of time together to me this shifted the dynamic in a pretty welcome way uh, away from something very mandalorian-esque uh with the warrior protector and the the naive child to something maybe a little more along the lines of like a Geralt and cersei from the witcher type of relationship uh or maybe something a little more i'm not sure how playful they're going to end up you know playing this relationship um, versus how like serious you know uh, they want to make the stakes for Quan. They've made it pretty clear that everyone wants Quan's head on a on a pike at this point. Um, but do we, Megan, sorry, do we know why the resistance wants? Oh, because the guy's in charge of the resistance. Just now, because that guy right, right, sure yeah. he took over yeah. is just yeah, like, yeah. the guy really, who's really just bad. clearly evil given his face and everything yes. he's ever yes. done. Like yes. he the poor guy, a gun he's really like nice a, and re- he carries like, a gun with like an extra nice large guy. magazine just in case he needs to execute like an extra <laughs> right. large quantity of right. people. <laughs> yeah. He's um, he's got to be he's got to be the nicest guy. Like he is he yeah. is feeding puppies, right? He's horsing horsing uh <laughs> shoeing horses. Like he's got to be the <laughs> nicest guy in the world because he plays the most despicable characters. Like yeah. there's there's no way for him to play a hero. There's no <laughs> way the face is designed <laughs> to be punched. you've got to boo that face yeah as soon as i saw him in the background because they just have him in the tv in that first episode i'm like ah that guy guy. right it's that jerk what's he gonna do (laughs) yeah and like the rebel highlander guy like yeah he's like ah i can't trust that venture (laughs) look at his face (laughs) duh guy's got long hair and he died in episode one we can trust him right (laughs) 
Um, Sorry, you're going to ask me like a serious but question. Yeah, Megan, yeah. like I just really, in our last episode of the podcast, I really enjoyed hearing your take on that relationship between the Chief and Quan. And I'm really curious about how this development changes your kind of expectations, you know, hopes and fears for, for Quan's role in the show going forward. Yeah, I was very happy to see it um, because, like I said, uh, with the trope, I just found uh, what I had seen. I thought it was going to be rather predictable. Um, I was wrong because separating the two obviously uh, puts a a damper on that. Um, and, and like I said in the beginning, when I said that the show felt like it was coming into its own, that's one of the main reasons I thought that um, it it took it in a direction I didn't foresee. Um, and it, it's clearly establishing itself as, um, as its own story. And it will be interesting to see how they split it up. Uh, I was also really happy to see John return to the UNSC because I was wondering how they were going to get them back together. Was the UNC just going to keep hunting him down and that was going to be the whole show? It's like, he just keeps running away and then, and that's the whole thing. Um, it's really nice to see that the entire show I had written in my head just evaporated immediately yeah. and became something unpredictable and cool. And it makes me very excited to see the next episode. Yeah. It's very, to me, it's very Halo-ish. They've always been very, very good at creating this story that relies so heavily on existing tropes. I mean, like if you go watch like alien, you know, after playing Halo, you're like, Holy cow. Right. right, like they, uh, you know, I've never read it's the same dialogue. I've never read Ringworld, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Right. Um, but you know, just just like the games did, I think they 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 just insist on having their own tilt to it in a way that then turns it into its own iconic, you know, right. uh, like formula that others that will generate its own tropes and memes and uh, you know derivative. Uh, pieces of art and content and stuff like that. Uh, Cicero, what are your thoughts on uh, where we ended up with Quan and, and Soren and the chief here? Uh, yeah. I mean, much like you guys, I mean, you know, the, the story, I didn't have much of a story written in my head because I've gotten to a point where like, Hey, I'm just going to go on this ride that you guys are going to put me on. And then at the end of the ride, I'll reflect back on the entirety of the ride and say what what I did or didn't like about it. Um, it's much better but, than my just immediate cynicism, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, or maybe you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm just like the Hulk. I'm always cynical, so like it's just like it's so it's ready to go. Uh, I d- I really enjoy what they're doing. I fully expect that we're going to wind up seeing. Uh, Quan Ha, Yeren Ha is her is her actual name. Um, real soon, she's she's got second billing in the show, so we'll we'll definitely be forwarding unto Quan um, for for quite some time while while the show is going on. So I like I didn't have any worries when it came to that, but I do like the fact that the writers are showing like, oh yeah, we've read the same things that you've read, right? We know the same tropes mm-hmm. that you know. And, you know, we're not trying to make, like, we're not trying to do the easy, we're not trying to go the easy route, right? Because that would be dumb. I wouldn't want to watch a show like that, right? Like, I do want to have a show <laughs> where we kind of subvert what we think the tropes are. And I love the fact that the writers have come in and said, that's that's the thing we're doing. That's what we're about. And I have no idea where we're going to go, right? The thing that I thought that we were going to get with uh, the montage episode of training and, and all that other stuff, I thought was going to be four yeah. or five episodes from now. And we got that immediately, right? Like the whole warrior trope that, that we were so convinced that Megan was right about uh, was was dismissed almost immediately uh the the new trope that i'm that i'm not so happy about maybe you know we'll get back to it as we talk about the middle is is kind of how john is the one yeah and and the 117 right like um that that is something that you know we've got to worry about but again i'm left hopeful because the writers know that trope right they have to so 
maybe, right? Maybe they're not going to lean into that trope the same way that another show on on Paramount Plus um, that uh, Ty and I happen to podcast about has been le- has been really leaning into it uh, so much so that it's it's almost a crutch um, for that show. Um, I, I, I but I mean, right now, two episodes in. I'm I'm really digging it. I'm I'm digging the fact that here's a show based on a, a franchise and a property that I know, but I have no idea what's coming next. And and it's happening in the past based on what I know of this canon, right? Like it's happening during the course of events that that I've already interacted with. And you know, uh, to me, it adds this fun layer that you know that they are they care about the existing canon and they want right. to honor it, but they also have given themselves complete freedom to deviate from it yes. whenever they feel like it. And that yes. adds to me this fun. It's like a meta watching experience for me. Right. And like, okay, what is co- like, you know, what aligns with the universe and the, the stories that I already know and what right. diverges. Um, right. And I, I'm just, again, can't wait to see more of Cortana. Let's yeah. do a quick, I want to do a quick uh, lightning round here and uh, okay. I will, I will introduce a topic and just say one or two very quick thoughts on it. And then I'll sure. give each of you the chance to do the same. Um, okay. So topic one, Soren's arm appears to be some kind of, uh, he had some sort of accident and now he has a human arm grafted on the outside of his uh, Spartan suit, uh, Cicero. Uh, so we, we talked about Total Recall um, a second ago. Uh, yeah, uh, Bokeem Woodbine looks like he is a creature from, from Total Recall. But, uh, but you know, uh, again, he's trying to look and seem normal. Uh, so yeah. so that is your superpower arm that allows you I to do know. bionic stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Megan, any thoughts on the arm? I was distracted by his sweet coat. Yeah. Yeah. He looked, yeah. He, I loved his, I loved his style. Uh, okay. Topic lightning round topic. Number two, Cortana, obviously we're going to see more of her, uh, to come. Um, do, you know, I was really wondering, did Parangoski really approve Halsey, uh, to do a limited trial of the program or did Halsey just say that in front of the, the council knowing that Parangoski couldn't, uh, publicly reject her? Uh, Megan, let's go to you. Any thoughts on Cortana at this juncture? Yeah, I mean, Halsey clearly lied uh, and put her on the spot where she can't just, you know, the Admiral can't say, oh, I knew this was going on and I disapproved and I did nothing about this. You know, mm. that, that would really undermine her power. So she obviously has to pretend that she totally knew about it all along. What I'm interested in is whether Halsey lied about Cortana's abilities to overwrite John's programming, because at least the Halsey that I know and the Halsey that I feel like they've been setting up likes John. She likes his personality. She likes his ability to make decisions. And her creation is something that makes the decisions she wants him to make. I mean, she didn't seem all that disappointed that he went rogue. She was, she at least her face suggested she was excited about uh, what this meant for her creation. Um, and then was very excited that he came back because that was a decision he made. Uh, so I, I feel it it's kind of strange for her to say, yeah, we're going to totally overwrite him. Peace, John. Uh, but I, I do understand why she might say that to everybody else to, um, to uh, lessen their concerns. Yeah. Flagrant violation of the, the lightning round uh, format there, but I totally agree with you. And I think reading Dr. Halsey's face has become its own, you know, little mini game for me while I watch uh, Cicero, any thoughts on uh, Cortana? Uh, right? exactly what megan said so um yeah she she violated for me yeah and and exactly what you said ty like reading her face is i can i i completely trust and don't trust at all halsey yes yeah perfect uh yeah i think the scene at the end you could watch 10 different times and come come where she's talking to john in the i don't know debriefing chamber let's say oh well no i think it's a detention room yeah exactly uh, (laughs) right for him but yeah uh okay our next quick hit uh we're obviously going to see a lot more of her next episode but charlie murphy maki uh she has a conversation with the prophets where she sort of convinces them to let her go undercover into humanity um those scenes are getting a little heavy-handed to me but i think we're done uh, with yeah. kind of her directly interacting with the prophets for now um cicero thoughts on maki right now 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's going to be interesting to see how she becomes a double agent and what that means and who she is. And I think we can't get that until she gets away from the Covenant. And I think we're finally at that point. Megan, any reactions to Maquis' either grand scheme or weird montage of taking her clothes off while she prepared to go on her mission? <laughs> Just look at this arm. I have human <laughs> I arms. Human arm. <laughs> I mean, that was my only read of it, right? It was just sort of trying to get across that she, her own humanity is sort of foreign to alien, her. Alien uh, yeah. to her. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the final one, we had a, a wonderful scene. I don't know if we'll have much to say about this, but I thought this scene was beautifully shot with Admiral uh, or. Uh, yeah, I think Admiral Parangoski and Miranda Keys. They're walking down the hallway together. Miranda is trying to convince Parangoski to give her access to the artifact once they recover it instead of Halsey. Right. And the seas part for Parangoski as all these enlisted people and scientists get out of her way. And as they all uh, redirect their paths straight into Miranda, who's this little kid <laughs> basically in comparison to everybody else that they keep bumping into and who keeps uh, having to, ha- having to run to catch up to, to walk next to and plead her case to Dr. Parangoski. I just, I love what they're doing with this Miranda character. I can tell she's yeah. going to be important. Uh, and I was just curious if either of you had any, you know, thoughts or predictions about that. Uh, well, I, I mean, I think that there is, I don't know if it's, there's, there's going to be a relationship quintuplet between oh, Soren, Chief, uh, Quan, uh, Miranda Keys, and, uh, and, uh, who's, who's the fifth? Oh, and Cortana, right? Like all of those people will be interacting with with each other probably via the chief um and and their all of their influences will will uh play heavy on the chief and i think what what will be great is if nobody has the right answer so whatever answers or whatever chief's decisions uh whatever decisions chief winds up making someone will have a problem with it as a viewer, right? Like you will find uh, flaws in the choice that was made. Yeah. One thing we seem to be getting into a vibe here that I really love is the, the 24 esque, like, okay, we've got the, the good guy organization and bureaucracy and we've got the, the, the bad guys for sure, but we need to like go through and hand pick the people we can trust, right? Who know the right, right things and who have the right loyalties and who can work well together. We need to pluck them out of the good guy's side and organization and maybe one or two like Maquis from the bad guy's side or organization. And they're going to be the ones who kind of have to work together against both sides, right? Against sure. the Covenant and the UNSC to... Right uncover the truth and solve that and uh you know it's it's not ground that's never been tread before but i like it (laughs) yeah they're all gonna be pulling at master chief's little strings trying to see you know because he he's so childlike and naive when it comes to uh well anything beyond what am i (laughs) (laughs) i mean he he knows his stuff Outside of that, he, you know, he's, um, Soren's like, Oh, you're just going to go cry to mommy. You know, you're always, and and she's just like, yes, I am. Yeah. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. She's so proud of me. Right. Yeah. Subspace is, is like a ball of yarn. Right. And it's a thread on a ball of yarn. I love, you know, if they started doing that freaking wormhole, you just fold a piece of paper and you just, I was going (laughs) to shut my teeth. I'm done. Sorry, I can't do this podcast. I really liked how they were just like, this isn't a show about that. Like, this right, isn't right. a show where we explain how faster than light travel works. Right. Like, you got to watch a different show if you yeah. if you care about that. Okay, uh, let's let's wrap up with a talk of really like what I think you know is kind of the the core um, of this show and kind of like the the plot arc of season one is really about this artifact that was uh, discovered on Madrigal. Um, seems like maybe originally by the covenant, but ultimately taken uh, by, by John um, and is now in possession of Dr. Halsey. But in this episode, we get this scene where, Oh man, they gave us a lot here. Right. <laughs> and, and some of it is uh, kind of problematic. I think um, some of it though, really drove the, fo- the story forward uh, it, it, again at trans light speeds here. Um, and so, the main thing focuses around, right, Bokeem, uh, I'm sorry, Soren uh, t- 
touches the artifact in the scene that I love where Quan and the Tief are like, oh my God, no, don't touch it. Um, but then they realize he doesn't have any effect on it, even though he's a human, just like Chief, and is, is probably pretty close physiologically to Chief in a lot of ways. Um, we know he doesn't have his little emotion pellets in, but... Um, and and they end up going and talking to this mystic guy. I don't know if we... Yeah, he does have a name, but I forget what it is. Um, he's obviously depicted as having some sort of wacky mental illness slash spiritual connection that for me was pretty tropey and problematic, especially considering he's um, the darkest skinned individual we have yet seen in the show. Uh, and there's a pretty clearly coded like racial hierarchy that the show seems to be developing that feels a little bit uh, gross to me. Um, but he reveals all this information. He tells us that John is the chosen one. He tells us that the artifact is supposed to activate some kind of weapon and that the covenant have been scouring the galaxy for clues about this weapon. That's more context than we got after playing probably the first two halo games or the first one plus, (laughs) plus some books, if that's what you did. So they really, wanted to cut to the chase with some of this ring stuff while still leaving some mystery about it. Um, so yeah, Megan, let's go to you to talk about this yeah. whole development. I mean, it feels like they had a bullet point list of lore that they really needed to get out and they thought, how can we get this out the fastest? And they said, crazy guy trope, let's do it. Um, I, I hate the crazy guy trope. I, uh, it, it's, it's lazy. It's ableist. Uh, it's you know it, at least define what kind of crazy he is, right. um, and then try to depict that as accurately as possible. Um, but just guys scampering around the floor, uh, knowing a lot of things for some reason. At least he wasn't blind. I guess they could have gone that route as well. Uh, no, he just had bad dental work. Oh my god! It was yeah. <laughs> so I I was cringing the whole time. Um, and, you know, we're talking about how tropes and they're subverting them. I, I don't need to see this one subverted. I hope they just drop it and move on and pretend it never happened. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, that, that's mine. Uh, yeah. and, and, the, and then the thing, obviously, with the, the Blessed One, uh, that was what I was alluding to in the very beginning when I said I wasn't exactly sure if I agreed with all the choices. Because, uh, again, that's not a trope I enjoy, but I will take a page from Cicero's book and not immediately go down the most cynical route. And, <laughs> so and I think, just, yeah, it's, just see what happens. It sounds like we kind of need to have two conversations, one about the guy and and one about what the information that he revealed to us. So Cicero, let's start, you know, any any reactions to that character, first of all? So, yeah, so the character's name is Reth. Um, and uh, it was weird because... Right. So Soren says, oh, yeah, he got captured and then he came back and he hasn't been right since. And he's he's kind of in a solarium. Right. Like he's in this. This place. Well, Soren's like, every- it's not a jail, but right, right. It's, it's not a jail, but everyone's in these cages that are locked that are locked, um, to, you know, so uh, or or maybe they're not like, I don't know, because Soren just kind of walks in. Right. He just walks into Reth's ref space which seems a little bit bigger than than um i do want to talk about the fact that kwan it's weird with kwan and the the way that they've they're portraying her because in the first episode uh we were talking about the the hopeless naive kid with the hero trope and i argued that she isn't really naive right that she's kind of kind of a warrior, right? Like she's kind of about this life now. Uh, but then we get to this place that is, it's definitely foreign to her, but you know, they're in this place that's not a jail and she just kind of seems like she's never seen anything like this before, which maybe she hasn't seen anything like this specifically before, but she, I'm, I'm sure she's aware, like these people are, in cages for a reason. And, but then she just kind of walks up to one of them at the end and gets shocked by the fact that somebody is grabbing at stuff that she's got in between the bars. Like what, what, why? Um, but then, yeah, but then we get to ref and he's, he's crazy because he's come back from the covenant, but nobody really knows exactly what type of crazy he is, but he, 
seemingly knows everything, but he doesn't know anything. He 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 knows that anybody who can activate the artifact is special and he can't do it, but then is shocked by the fact that Chief can do it and then repulsed by him after and then asked him what is he after he already said that the people that can touch it are the blessed ones right they're the chosen ones they're something more than human so if he already seemed to understand who he was why did he get surprised at who he who he seemed to be um you know the 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 first he being ref and the second he being master chief you know so like i just don't i don't understand those those choices that they made um but again i'm going to take a a, a page out of my own book and say that they must know what story is that they're going to tell and they seem to be happy with that story so i'm just going to let them tell that story and then afterwards i'll i'll say whether or not i liked it yeah it's interesting you know like in star wars you have force wielders and then people who are force sensitive and that's that's what this reminded me of is master chief is uh force wielder and all those people who started screaming when he did i did really i thought that scene was really cool when the guy's like you don't want to help us destroy the covenant destroy us do you and chief's like no and reth's like good and he tries to go to smash it and chief reflexively stops him and in so doing he activates the artifact again and but then all everyone starts screaming and freaking out and like shrieking and writhing on the floor and like kwan and soren are just like hmm this is right. Yeah. I, yeah like they I have such a minimal understand. reaction. Right. Um, I did so, think it was just kind of part of that crazy trope again. It's just right. it's crazy just people a, have mystical see, reactions. I, but that's what right. I'm saying. But, I think they're doing more than crazy people. Like the, the was, same yeah. thing that makes master chief a blessed one. These people are tuned into in a way that, yeah, like you said, Megan, it's not in the books. Like the books are about the humans are fighting these aliens. And then they figure out that there's these third party aliens and things get a little bit complicated, but like human, you know what I mean? In the games, it's like humans are humans. We're fighting for our existence. Like that's kind of right. the beginning and end of the moral discussion there right and the books and stuff are more nuanced um but definitely in this show we're getting yet another like kind of i don't know interpretation or or layering on here um i was really you know i totally both of you guys great thoughts on this ref character and just kind of how he was handled by the show i think for me i'm willing to just sort of you know i want to forget that whole character and just stick with what he left us with at the end which is if you want to help destroy the artifact and then destroy yourself, right? The implication being so far, the character who knows the most about all this stuff is, is telling us this, that what we're dealing, the waters we're getting into are so dangerous that it is better just to right? Like just, they make it pretty clear that that the Spartans are humanity's only effective weapons against the covenant. So he's basically saying it is worth you giving up your only edge in the fight against these aliens because the alternative of using this artifact and activating this ring or whatever is so horrible. That's a pretty strong statement. Um, and one that John seemed pretty troubled by, uh, I think rightfully so. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think, uh, we're going to pretty much wrap it up here. Uh, final thing I want to just touch on was, again, we, we did mention it earlier, but the relationship between John and Halsey, the conversation between the two of them at the very end, Halsey says something like, uh, I see this as a new beginning for us. We can accomplish such great things together. Uh, that line is delivered as a voiceover as she is unsealing the Cortana clone um, from the kind of casket thing. So I know we, right. we did mention this a little bit earlier, but I guess... Um, final thoughts and i'll i'll start with you megan but either or right you can answer uh one or both of these um give us your prediction for kind of what cortana actually uh does and or when are we going to get to an actual halo ring those are the two things i want to wrap up on yeah uh as for the first one i i feel like i i don't have a prediction it's just weird that she's in a body and i don't know what to do with that uh, so that's that's as yeah. Far she's as got, I got a human there. body still. Like, like if, is she just gonna stay there? And but like then be also a hologram? Is she gonna just like follow Chief around? Uh, but, they're like, gonna have to kill you that. Know, like a weird blue light. I don't know. I just I uh, I have no idea. Um, as for the ring, I think we're gonna see it earlier than I predicted. 
uh, or th than I had originally thought. Uh, I I hope we see it soon. Yeah, but I was wrong on the grunts. I was like grunts episode two, so I, yeah, I feel like I don't no, want to I immediately know. make. Now it. I'm, I'm going to say with certainty grunts episode three, ring <laughs> episode four, and then we'll just see what happens. Because in the games, the humans really like stumble upon Halo, like the ring first. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And like, but in this one, they are discovering the covenant and their hunt for the ring before they actually stumble across a ring, which changes the whole kind of how things are revealed. Uh, so Cicero uh, Cortana, what, what does she actually do? Will she erase John's intelligence? And when are we going to get to a halo ring world? All right. So a Cortana is um, like uh, one of those, uh, the, the things in the bath in Battlestar, like, you know, they're one of like the 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 ones that stay in the bath and they just kind of she's going to control all of the Spartans from her bathtub <laughs> and her little egg thing. And she'll she'll, uh, you know, oh, present herself okay. as an avatar in in. So you, know, you think that head. human body will stay in that little human cloning egg? Why not? What the hell? Or like in that room, right? Like she's in that room and she gets to move around and dance around and do whatever. Um, who cares? Right? Like it's, it's going to be a thing. <laughs> We're going to wind up seeing it. B, when do we see a halo? I really want to believe that this season is a buildup, is a hunt for this ring, right? Between the covenant mm. and, and the UN, UNSC. Right, it, it, trying to figure out who's going to figure out what these rings are and where the rings, where a ring is. The Covenant are clearly aware that they are looking for a certain kind of artifact that they know is right. a key to something. Do they already right. know what that something is? They, they know that it's one? the ring. They know that it's a ring because oh, yeah, right, Maquis yeah, the, asked right. asked the the that one elite. Yeah, and he said it was a ring, and the demon knows it. But do they know where the so. ring is themselves? But yeah, mm. nobody knows. Yeah, so I think that's going to be the hunt for for things. I'm going to throw a C in here. And say that there was a thing that happened during the course of this episode that that is a question that I still don't have answered. Our the beginning of the first episode, we were in Madrigal. The rebels stumble upon this Covenant ship. They have no idea who the Covenant is. The Covenant comes in and destroys this this base, and most of the people died thinking it was the UNSC. And and like the Spartans or something like that, that were responsible for this attack. General Ha thought the Spartans were responsible for this attack because when Master Chief lands on the ground and he calls out the Spartans, he doesn't think the chief is there to help. He thinks he's just another part of the attacking force. So they clearly don't have an understanding of who the Covenant is. But when uh, Quan was sitting with Soren's wife... Soren's yeah, wife has a, sense to me. has a conversation with her about uh, about how her family and her entire planet was just, was murdered by the Covenant before you know when Quan when she was younger than Quan. So the presumption is well, twenty years, right? Twenty years ago, like is that is that fair a fair estimation of that time period like how long have people known about the covenant um and you know like yeah how is that information not disseminated yeah exactly i that, think they really need to clarify that i think in the books it's you know the the unsc is keeping this under wraps they're keeping it right quiet from their own people for a long time uh and it seems like that's what they they're wanting to do here but they they do need to make that a lot more explicit because yeah that well, conversation was weird to me too. People yeah. outside of the UNSC, like the people exactly. in the city, know more. Yeah, but it yeah. makes sense that they also wouldn't have a very unified communication network to like share. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if they're just these little mining colony and they're not really connected with the UNSC except through trade. You know they wouldn't necessarily yeah, if, have knowledge of they, each other if they know that the the covenant is a is a real thing and a threat like. They're just kind of out in the open, you know, like, yes, they're within these, this asteroid field, but like, are, are they not worried about 
the covenant coming and no, I don't and think wiping so because the covenant. I mean, if there's not an artifact there, why would the covenant come there? That's, I mean, I if, guess they, so. if they have I guess even so. an inkling of what the covenant are up to, but yeah, I, right. I do think that, they, that definitely raised a lot of questions about. It's okay, yeah. they got like forklifts of plenty to stop the yes. covenant. Yeah, That's just true. drive those right in the way, and then right, yeah, uh, have a good Ooh, laugh can. and right, right. <laughs> call it a day. All right, call well, it a day. speaking of calling it a day, uh, thank you so much uh, to both of you, Megan and Cicero, as always, uh, for the great conversation uh, about Halo, the series. Uh, thank you, our listeners, for joining us on episode two of Forward Under Quan. Uh, please like, subscribe on whatever platform you are on. Uh, send us your bitcoins. Recommend us to your friends, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, if you are watching Star Trek Picard, just a reminder to follow Cicero and myself on uh, Discovery Debrief, another podcast available wherever pods are cast. Um, and speaking of Cicero, thank you, Cicero, for being the producer of this and every episode of Forward Unto Quan. Uh, thanks to all our listeners, and we will catch you next time on Forward Unto Quan.